What is going on? We are back for episode 45 of the Media Captain podcast. Uh, Jason Parks. And Stephanie Parks. And a couple weeks ago, we, we had our uh, first guest on, um, and it went really well. So today, we're going to be bringing on another e-commerce guest, uh, Tom Walters, who's the um, founder of Knox Gear, and Knox Gear is safety gear for runners. Um, I actually met with Tom over a year ago and just learned more about his business. Uh, Stephanie and I ordered the product, so I'm going to have her go into that in a second. Um, but really, Tom's been able to just, you know, business owner that's been able to, to grow through um, digital marketing from Facebook ads, from referrals, from, you know, being ingrained within a tight-knit community of runners. So um, we're excited to have Tom on here. And Steph, before we go into, before we officially bring Tom on, why don't you just give an overview of, of the product because me and you have been uh, both using it here. Yeah, so first of all, I forget if we said, but this is episode 45. I can't remember if we, if we mentioned that. Um, so episode 45 of the Media Casting Podcast. And yeah, so Jason ordered the product first. And then as soon as he told me about it, of course, I wanted one because anytime Jason gets something, I want to make sure that I have it also. Um, so I ordered it, it too. And we both are runners. Jason actually also got me into running in the morning. I never had done that before. Um, but over the summer, we went on a trip together and we, we, we started running in the morning. Of course, at that time, it was light at like 6 a.m. when we would run. And then I was getting really bummed as it started to stay darker out later. Um, so Jason told me about, about Knox Gear and about, uh, about this product. And it's awesome. It's, and, and Tom, you'll probably describe it way better than me. But basically, it's, it's a little vest that you put on. And it lights up. It, it takes ba it's battery operated. It's super lightweight. It's actually really comfortable to wear. I was a little worried about it at first. I, I wasn't sure if I'd be comfortable running in it. But it's it's really really comfortable. Um, it actually makes my back feel even better than it does without it. Um, and it lights up the light. You can't really even see it when you're running. But um, it can either flash in different colors or you can keep it on one color. Jason and I were talking about our preferences the other day. I like to I like to cycle through the colors, and he likes to stick to blue. Um, hey, hey, so hey, hey Steph, Steph, I'm realizing like we're doing this five minute intro. We got We got to bring Tom on. Tom, what's uh, what's what, what's going on? <laughs> hey guys, um, sorry, I'm, Tom. I'm digging, I'm digging it. I'm I'm liking listening to you guys talk about it. Cool. I I, I figured Stephanie and I were just like rolling with it, like we like we own the company, and I'm like, you know what, we got to have the owner talk about the product. So just um, what we like to do, give everybody a little bit of background of of who you are, where you came from, and and how Knox Gear came about. Yeah, sure. You want me to go go through that now? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Yeah, so I should say um, to, at the start, uh, I co-owned Knox Gear with Simon. I think you met Simon maybe when you were when you came by the office uh, about a year ago. But um, yeah, we we started together. He's CEO and president, although it doesn't really matter day to day those titles. But apparently we, they're on paper somewhere. So yeah, we um, I guess. The uh, the full history would be you'd go all the way back to Ohio State in like 2007 or six or seven, and Simon and I were in a class together as uh, grad students. He was electrical and I was mechanical, and then 
Um, I remember him from the class, but we never talked to each other or interacted um, while we were at school. He left and went, uh, graduated and went up to Buffalo to work for an aerospace company up there. And then they recruited me a year later when I graduated. And so uh, I think I met him when I moved up there, but still didn't interact with him too much until maybe I don't know, six, seven months in, then we met and we started uh, to work on some research projects at this, at the aerospace company. And uh, they were putting a lot of um, responsibility in our hands to do some new projects and um, things got pretty interesting pretty quickly and we started working together quite a bit um, on these uh, different research projects like trying to predict the um, health of an aircraft or aircraft components and when they were going to fail, um, called prognostics and health monitoring. So uh, fast forward a, a year or so, and we're pretty heavy into that, and we just kind of started to kick around different ideas for uh, products we'd make on our own. And we had been playing a lot of ultimate Frisbee at the time. Um, just imagine a bunch of young-ish engineers, and so after work, uh, blow off some steam and go play ultimate. Um, and we started doing a lot of night games just because it was fun to get together at night and get some drinks and just play. And uh, so uh, we at some point decided, hey, you know, we got to do something better than glow sticks for this night game of ultimate. And we uh, pieced together with a nine volt and, and some duct tape and some uh, fiber optic um material like uh, imagine one of those christmas tree things you see at uh holiday time and we just cut that into pieces and made a makeshift vest so that was the first that was kind of how it all really started outside of buffalo and we did this night game and it was just incredible you know people uh driving by stopped and they were just watching it because it i mean just something you've never seen before so I think after that we were like, okay, I think I think we've got something here to to work with, and that's when we started digging in a bit more on the how do we make this into a product and a business. Got it. And, so and it's are, are either of you guys actually runners? Yeah, we were both uh, running at the time, and Simon a okay. lot more than me. Yeah, Simon, and he still runs an insane amount. So. Yeah, I think it's as we were developing it as kind of this night uh, ultimate vest concept, uh, it just became obvious that there was a gap in the runner safety uh, space where it's like, okay, we've got this really well lit, lightweight, secure fit vest that we're working on. Of course, it'd be good for uh, runners, cyclists, walkers um, to stay visible at night too. So kind of at that point, became two products, although sharing very similar aspects to it. And that's that's actually when we ultimately launched it on Kickstarter, it was two different products, one made for uh, night games and the other with, that is now the Tracer 360 uh, visibility vest. So when you, it's always, I love hearing just from other entrepreneurs how like the business idea came about and it always just seems to be where like you had a hobby, you were doing something, there was an issue, you tried to solve the issue and um, that that's what happened. So that's super neat. Um, and so, I mean, we're talking 2007, 2008, you're in Buffalo. So like what brought you then back to 
Columbus and, you know, you talk about Kickstarter, obviously now we're uh, September 23rd of, of 2020 and direct to consumer e-commerce is just like blowing up. And I mean, so you seem to be doing this pretty early on, like when were you starting to sell this online after, um, you know, after Kickstarter? Yeah, I guess it was a couple of years in Buffalo before what all of what I just described went down. So it was probably closer to like 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, so I, so we, we got into it. We were like working every night on the design. We were sewing. Simon was building circuits in his apartment. We were trying to source the, uh, uh, fiber optic element of the vest, which is a really difficult thing to, to perfect. So we were, we were doing all these things to try and get the product to a point where, you know, we could actually start selling it. And I, I knew that I wanted to, to leave Buffalo, not because I didn't like Buffalo, but I had met uh, my future wife. She was in Dayton and I wanted to get back there. So I just decided, okay, well, I'm going to do Knox gear. I don't even know if it was called Knox gear at the time, but like, I'm going to do this full time. And I moved back to Dayton. Simon was still in Buffalo. And then we, we, um, launched a Kickstarter like a year later. So let's just say, uh, that was in 2013, I'm pretty sure. So we started selling in 2013, I guess is what I'm getting at. Uh, but yeah, obviously there was a lot of lead up and development and starting to actually source materials and, and do the whole, you know, make this thing a product <laughs> type of activities and not just something we made in the garage. So. But yeah, 2013 is when we launched on Kickstarter, raised the money we needed to, and we started sending out units later that year. Got it. Can you talk and, a little bit more about the about just like the manufacturing process and how you figure that out from kind of making it at home to to what it is now? Yeah, sure. I mean, it was it, it was it's always been a grind. Although I think we're in a better position now than than we have been in any other year. But it was really like reaching out to domestic and international sources for, you know, the elastic belt that we use, um, the getting circuit boards made or ordering circuit board components, finding the right LEDs, finding um, the right source for that fiber optic um, light cabling that we use. Cause that stuff is, is complex and needs to be made well and, and all the other little odds and ends. And it was really just me or Simon, you know, talking to getting on WeChat or whatever messaging app and just trying to talk to people in, in China or elsewhere, Taiwan, some, some domestically initially. And, uh, you know, you get stuff sent in and then you say, okay, this is good. We're going to go with it. And then you order, you know, a hundred of them, which seems crazy, or you order 500 and it just kind of slowly built from there. And obviously we had the money from Kickstarter. So, uh, most of that was going to the tooling to create the custom plastic parts of the of the tracer. So, and, and that was a whole ordeal as well to get those made. We had never done something like that before, and it's like, okay, now we're going to pony up, you know, five figures for a, a tool and hope that it works. Thumbs up, and if not, then we're in trouble. So, um, once we got through all that, we were we were actually building them ourselves at, in Simon's house in Dayton. He had moved back at that point, and, and so we were building them ourselves then. And we did that for a couple of years until we uh, got linked up with who we work with now over in uh, Shenzhen, China, to, to make them. 
how would you uh, how would you grit like when you look back on it from where the product was at in 2013 to where it's at now? I mean, do you give it like a seven back then and a nine and a half or a ten now, or is it like night and day as to where it was back in 2013? In terms of just the performance and kind of quality. Yeah, yeah. I think it's been. I think, and this is probably you know, one of the reasons we've done well, I think it's been consistently good since then. I think there's been improvements improvements along the way, like in the quality and consistency of the fiber optic uh, light cables and uh, the LEDs, making them a little more efficient so the battery life is a little better. But um, in terms of like the, uh, the soft good materials on there, the sewing quality, the build quality, um, it's been been good. It's been good. Nice. And, and, and walk us through how you got, so you're selling the product. Like, how did you get to your first 1,000 customers and then your first, like, 5,000? Like, what were the stages of, of just, like, customer growth and customer acquisition? Yeah, I think it was. So we had, um, I guess you'd probably say about maybe 500,000 people that had backed us through Kickstarter. And then um, as we were getting those units ready, I think is when we had the first e-commerce site, which I'm trying to remember exactly what that was. I think I think we were trying to do our own Magento site, and then we found, and that failed, and I think we found someone local in Dayton to put a site together for us. But it was really, I mean, Knowing what we know now, it's like unbelievable that it even worked. Uh, but it did, and, and so we were selling mostly word of mouth at that point, or or whatever kind of trickle effect came after the in the wake of the Kickstarter project. But then we, I think it was probably late 2013, is when we started with Facebook ads, and it it just made a lot of sense at the time. It's crazy to think of it now because of all the the options and all the different ways you can market today. But back then that was like the thing. And for us, it made a lot of sense because you can turn it off and on, on a day's notice. You can increase your spending or decrease your spending on a day's notice. It wasn't like you were committing, you know, a bunch of money up front to say a PR campaign or a media buy. It was just like, Oh, hope this works. And I hope uh, that the product, you know, doesn't see some issue where we can't sell them. And anyway, it was a very flexible and uh, economical way to, to go about driving uh, sales to the site. Got it. And and so you started with Facebook ads in 2013. And like, what was there just, I, I, I think when we met Tom, you talked about that you guys, like at some point were on Good Morning America or like a major show, like what were some of the the turning points for the for the company. Um, clearly, it yeah. seems like Facebook ads worked, and then you continued to invest in that. Yeah, I think um, over the years we've had a few different moments like that, where like it was a Today Show, that was actually just last year, um, and maybe none other as big as that in terms of just immediate reach, but. Uh, moments like that, and and they're good, but they never it never like made or break broke us. Like, um, yeah, it was just kind of a bump, and it was nice, and then we could use it as as um, you know to to put in front of customers and say, hey, we were here. But I would say the one moment that really helped was like that was 
uh, during the Kickstarter campaign, uh, Mashable featured us in like a video. We were part, I think, of a a number of things they were doing in a video uh, segment, and that pushed us over the edge. It was like because then a bunch of other places picked us up, and we got all this kind of free publicity, and it pushed us up over our goal. And you know, maybe we would have made it over the goal without that, but I don't know. So that was definitely a a moment like that. But I think um as far as one one time like today's show type stuff it's happened over the years but i think the growth really has come from just you know a good product and good customer service and just focusing on the the details day to day so what what is your like what is your what does your team look like now you know you talked a lot about you and your partner kind of making these products and sending them out so how is that how has your team evolved over the years yeah, so of course, still me and Simon, um, and we've added uh, his, well, now his wife, but she's my my wife and his wife before they were even our wives were were involved. So they're helping on um, financial side of things, bookkeeping, accounting, uh, and and social media kind of management. We've got uh, a group of people just dedicated to customer service, which is so important. And I'm, and I'm so glad that we made the decision early on to put a lot of focus on that because it's it's okay. just clear clear that it helps out tremendously. Um, and then some other people that work at the office to uh, pack and ship, and and then we've got the whole team in Shenzhen, which is um, quite large because you know they're doing the production and they're making a lot of units, so they've got a big team of like quality people, assemblers, managers, and and the, the guys that run uh, that part of it. So um, pretty big now, I guess. And, and if, anyone wants to, if anyone wants to go back to episode 44, Steph and I did uh, 10 rapid-fire questions, and she hit on so many of the things, Tom, that, that you hit on and that you realized early on is just like the importance of uh, customer service, um, the importance of a quality product, uh, you can have the best advertisements in the world, but what we kind of said in the last podcast is that, um, look, if you're not getting repeat customers, if you're not getting referrals, if you're not, if the customers just aren't having a great experience, like the the e-commerce company isn't going to work, you know? Yeah, I think that's, there's there's probably not many things you could say are just absolute facts uh, in this line of work, but that is one of them for sure. You can't survive without it. Because you you won't sleep you won't sleep and you'll uh, you know people will bash you and it's just you know people talk and people are linked up on all all different forms of social media and you just will not survive I think. Mm-hmm. So in 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 terms of um, in terms of Facebook advertising, you know I looked at your Facebook ads library and you just have like you utilize video pretty aggressively. I'm assuming you're targeting runners. Um, is there any, I mean, is it fairly simple in terms of, hey, we know our core, you know, we know our core audience, we're going to target them with good creative. Have you seen one thing work over the other or do you just not want to reveal any of that? Oh, no, yeah, I can, I can talk about that a little bit. So um, I guess, um, I guess the way to put it is we've done a lot of testing um, over the years, and 
um, it's been a while now, but when Facebook introduced dynamic ads, that was, I, I found that to be really helpful because then, uh, I guess that was kind of like when they started the process of taking control of everything, you know, and they've slowly continued to take more and more control if you want to let them, uh, more control of what's going on with your ad campaigns. But, um, dynamic ads were good because we would put our, uh, you know, you'd put like user generated creative, you'd put in um, video and, and images, professional images that we had done and different forms of copy, whether it's t- testimonial or feature based or um, some kind of, you know, quick message you're trying to deliver and, and, and it would give you the best one. It would always migrate to a certain one. So, and, and that for us tended to be a lot of user generated um, photos. So we, in testimonials as well. So uh, this is probably, I don't know, two years ago now, but we really started to put an emphasis on trying to get those, getting those photos from, from our customers and, um, and gathering the, the, I mean, like literally we'll take a Facebook comment on an ad and use it uh, in an ad, in another ad. So we really try and scrape hard for, you know, all the things that people are saying and, and to use those to our advantage because we just found that on a creative level, um, you know, anything I could write or if we got, a, you know, any copywriter would write or any image we made ourselves just didn't do as well. And I, and I guess if you look back at it, it kind of logically makes sense that on a social media platform, people can kind of filter out the, the very curated advertisement type of thing and they, and they trust you know, a more kind of organic look to it. For, for I, think sure. I, re- I think I remember opening, when I opened the box, there was something in there that said, like, send us a photo or, or something, and, and mm-hmm. you know, if we use it, we'll, we'll give you your product for free. Do, do, people, yeah. um, do people do that a lot? Yes, yeah. I think if you go on our Facebook page and Instagram, uh, I think weekly we're posting uh, a winner of that contest. And so, yeah, we... That's awesome. We look around, we, we find the ones we like and contact those people and say, hey, this is an awesome photo and if you let us use it, then we'll refund your order and it's worked, it's worked really well. We've got a massive database now of, of pictures and uh, video. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and Tom, I don't think people realize like the, I don't, stress isn't the right word, but like you're just, as a business owner, you're always looking to improve. So the constant amount of testing that you're doing with your ads to hit that sweet spot, I mean, it can be exhausting how many different advertisements have, how many different variations of copy have to be run. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. And you asked about targeting too. And I guess, um, I guess the thing that to always keep in mind with targeting is that, um, you know, you you pay CPM, right? So it's it's ten dollars or whatever it is to reach a thousand people. Well, you might only get you know one person that buys out of those thousand people. So if you're planning to sell thousands of units, then you need to reach millions of people. Um, and just from a most basic kind of budgeting standpoint, that's how you got to look at it. And so if your targeting is is very specific, you're going to run out of people pretty quickly. So you got to, that's one thing I've noticed is that, you know, you could, you could try to like slice and dice a sweet spot, age range, male, female interest, whatever it is. But what happens when that, when that runs out, you know, a week from now. So our targeting tends to be pretty broad because of that. And I think Facebook's gotten pretty good with 
with the algorithm and um you know they have campaign budget optimization which we've been using uh for you know at least a year i'd say and that tends to work pretty well so that's that's what i was referring to i say facebook is trying to take things over with campaign budget optimization dynamic ads um and now now it'll let you uh it'll serve ads to people individually based on what they think that individual person wants to see versus just a broad uh, what everybody wants to see. So they're really, they've really ratcheted that up and it seems to have done pretty, pretty well for us, which is good. Yeah. 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 We're, we're seeing similar trends with, with our clients where it's just like mm-hmm. the, the more broad you go, um, it tends to get better results than just going too narrow. Um, you'll, you'll run out of a pool of people. Uh, right. Steph, Steph and I have talked a lot how, you know, for, for Durham Warehouse, which is the e-com company that Steph runs the day to day for, um, you know, a lot of times in our ads, we're fine with like a two to one or a three to one return on ad spend just because we get 35, 40% of our customers who come back as repeat customers. And I'm sure within the running community, it's just like very referral based, like just how, you know, I started using it. And then I was like, Steph, you got to get a knock here. Is there a return on ad spend threshold that you like can, will not go below from a profitability perspective or um, how did, how, how exactly does that come into equation for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good topic because, um, so to answer the question right off the bat, we, I don't look at ROAS, uh, very much. I mean, it's there on the screen, but it's not the key metric. So the way that we do it, and we've done this for years because out of necessity, because we sell on Amazon as well. And this gets tricky because, you know, I guarantee you Facebook ads are driving a good portion of our Amazon sales, but we'll never track that. Very difficult to track. And so we do, we have like a high level um, count, day-to-day count of uh, ad spend, product sales on the web and on Amazon, uh, ad spending in other places. And we calculate at the highest level, like how much should we spend that day uh, per sale? of each of each product and by country too because we sell a good amount into canada so that's kind of the high level one and it's in that uh, we've got a range that's acceptable on that and it depends on the time of year and there's some other kind of factors to it but uh, that's that's where we look at the highest level and then at the, at the facebook level usually what i'm looking at is um, cpc uh, and uh, cost per purchase that's tracked on on there because we're running all, all of our campaigns are optimized on on cost per or optimized on purchase so I tend to look at that and I've got a gut feel now of like when when that's going south or when it's okay um, and and all the other factors around like uh, all the intangibles that go around any given week of sales like are we running a sale is there some event going on that would drive people to us uh, more so than normal so there's all those other things that you gotta consider but um yeah i guess it's a long-winded way of saying we do it slightly differently and on the facebook level it's really cpm cpc and then cost per uh, purchase got it and and i'm assuming you're one of the few people out there that probably loves it once it starts to once the days get a little shorter and the, the weather starts to drop because you know once it gets darker earlier just like stephanie people are I'm, I'm sure you start to see a huge uptick in sales is that right 
Yeah, and and it was something that I that I jotted down as I was thinking about this of things that that made a big difference for us, and that is one of them. That the, these products, at least the tracer vest that you guys were talking about and the Lighthound harness, they do not sell the same through the year, which is true, I think, of probably any product, but ours especially because the days are long in the summer and you can't. People just aren't searching for it and they're not buying it so once we once we figured that out that each year was fairly predictable in terms of when the sales would happen it was like you know you could uh, focus on other things when you knew you wouldn't be selling that well and we could plan the production uh, and you could plan your sales and, and everything around that and now it's pretty I'd say it's pretty sophisticated where we've got a model for the year based off of previous years and there's, and we always try to factor in some amount of growth. Um, and then all the ad spending in, um, uh, sales, when we have sales, when we need, uh, units to come in the door and out the doors is all in that plan. And, and at this point, because we've got some years under our belt, we can predict that fairly well. Some, sometimes it's kind of scary how well. Um, it's like, oh, we're going to, we're going to run this sale and we're going to sell this many units and, and it happens. And it's like, wow, that's, I mean, it's scary sometimes. So it's good though. And, and realizing that was a big moment, I think, for us just operationally. Got it. And, what what and, kind of impact did, um, did COVID have on you guys? I know um, you said you get the products from Shenzhen. So was was the supply chain interrupted at all? Were more people purchasing because, you know, they were they weren't going to the gym and they were working out outside? Yeah, I think it was the timing um, is from an impact standpoint to our business was fairly good in that it happened yeah. towards the end of spring, which is you know usually when the sales roll off anyway for the for the Tracer and Lighthound, at least um, here and in, in Canada. And um, and, at, and at that point, we're, the supply chain wasn't really interrupted through China for us because they, I think they got back on their feet, or at least the, you know, supply chains that we would worry about got back on their feet pretty quickly. And, and we were, uh, so yeah, I guess bottom line is we saw very little interruption in that. And sales, sales have still been really good. I mean, we're getting into the busy, busiest part of the year now, so we'll see. But uh, early indications are good. So, from you know, just a lot of our, our listeners are, are e-commerce store owners, um, entrepreneurs, and uh, you switched over to, to WooCommerce, and you're using Trustpot uh, for your reviews. Like, what are just over the years? Like, what are some technology features that you've used? Um, that are, you know, it might be a small purchase, but it's just made a really big difference for the business. Hmm. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think the switch to, to WooCommerce has been good, although we're, we're pretty early into that. But as far as, you know, the, the speed of it and the options that we have within the, the back end to generate reports and things seems, seems really solid. Um, the, the trust thought that was a, Trustbot we used for the reviews. That was the first time that we had done that. I think the old old the old old site two sites ago, we had uh, reviews in there, but they were all managed through the back end of the site, and it was really really tough to to do that. Um, and plus, the Trustbot feeds them into Google 
um, pretty easily. So that, that helps a lot. Um, I think from a technology standpoint, probably I wouldn't point to any one thing, but I'm, I'm just thinking about uh, we use Dropbox here and just gathering, you know, coming up with a system to gather those user-generated images and make it then easy to turn that along with a testimonial into an ad. So just smoothing out that process, and that uses like Google Sheets, uh, Dropbox, and then, yeah, I guess it's really those two things where we capture those credentials and then throw them into an ad. And so that's been, uh, from a marketing standpoint, that's really good, been really good. Got it. And and how big is, uh, I mean, are you, what's your like email schedule do you have? Um, are you uh, sending off like daily emails, uh, weekly emails? What's kind of the schedule there? Um, so we've just started to do, um, and, and this is something I think we should have been doing for a while, but uh, after order emails, post order emails uh, going out, um, and we're just kind of trying that out to so a smaller scale now, just to say thanks and to let there's some common questions that people tend to have about the product, so we'll let them know that. Uh, so I think that's that's been something that we haven't put a lot of focus on emails generally, and and I think we're going to start doing that a bit more now, just not to be invasive, but like, you know, there's pe things people want to know and and should know, and and it'll help not only them, uh, but also our customer service because hopefully we'll have to field less less of these questions. Um, so we tend to just email people when we have sales mostly, um, but I'm trying to push us into, you know, sending out uh, more regular, at least like a series of emails after people order to say thanks and here's some things you should know about us. Because I think, yeah, a lot of our growth, I think we kind of alluded to it earlier, but it's just absolutely in that we have a good product and we, um, take care of people when they have issues and people have just really latched onto that. It's crazy. You can go search hashtag Knox gear, just see what people are posting. And um, I don't see it day to day, but when I, when I come across it in the wild, I'm like, this is amazing. You know, people are really uh, into this. And I think as much as we can uh, foster that activity, I mean, it's probably better than, you know, any any ad we could ever run for sure yeah it's it's always really amazing to me like how far just treating people well will go and how much people appreciate it yeah and the one thing we do which i hope we never get away from this is the the phone number that's on the site for support if you call that uh someone will answer and they'll say hello this is so and so what can I help you with? And and I never call any place without getting the menu. And I just really like that about us that we're able to do that. And Tom, I uh, so now it's funny. I when I go on my runs in the morning, like so, what happened for me was I was living downtown. I mean, there's just like a lot of light downtown. So even if I was running at 6 a.m., um, that it, it just wasn't dark. And then I moved out to the suburbs, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need something to. So I don't get hit by a car. So that's, you know, why I got Knox here. And now when I'm running, I, a ton of people have it. So like what, what percentage of the market do you feel like you have um, with this? Is it like when I'm looking at other people, is it 10%, 20%? 
that are wearing a, a similar product is going to be Noxia, or is it a small piece of the pie that you guys have? You know what? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I have a good answer for that because it's, you know, you could say if you were going to an investor, you'd say, well, there's, you know, 60 million runners in the United States and, and you know, however many hundred million worldwide. And but, you know, we sell to uh, a runner that's running early or late, which is sometimes they have to because of their job. Sometimes they like to do that. Um, so it's a much harder thing to to get a grip on because, um, yeah, it's just not as simple as, as grabbing the data from somewhere. So, yeah, I guess I don't have a good answer for how far we've moved into the market. But I think, um, I mean, if you just go based on sales growth, I think we're nowhere near the, the end of it. So, um, yeah, I think the prospects are still good. And um, I guess, like, just to – close out here um what what are you excited about just i mean it could be about the company about the future of e-commerce like what what are you excited about and some trends that that you're seeing that will uh you know that our listeners will um learn something from um yeah so i guess i'm not sure you, the listeners would be too excited about uh, this, but I'm for me, I'm thinking a lot about the the speaker that we launched, and I mean that's been four years in the making, and uh, we just we really like it, and it's really a solid product, and and we're just starting to get it out there in, in bigger numbers now, and I think it'll be, um, I, as of now, I think people when they think of Knox gear, they think of the tracer vest mainly. Um, Maybe to a lesser extent, for sure, the the dog vest. But I think that maybe a year from now, people might see us as the the, the company that makes that speaker. So, uh, yeah, it could it could blow up just because it could serve a much larger range. We were talking about you know market size and and the market size for that speaker is just way way larger and has so many different uses. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the next version of the tracer, which is. Uh, another one, long time in the making, but that'll come out uh, next year, and um, we're just going to take every everything we've learned over the past seven years and pour it into that, and hopefully, uh, hopefully it lives up to to that hype. So, uh, and I think as far as is trends and things, I just think that we're doubling down on customer service and um, you know staying. It, I, I'd like to increase the level of engagement we have with with our customers and our prospective customers, and um, just let them know that we're a company that is different. Uh, in that, you know, we're here, we're we're ready to talk to you, we're ready to take your criticism and and praise and um, help you, and uh, you know, hopefully deliver you a product that you that you like and use and last for a long time. So I think focusing on that is uh, where my mind is at over the next year. Um, and then hopefully expanding the team here a little bit too, as we grow. I mean, it's just, it just has to happen. You can't continue to sell more and, and bring more products to market and not grow the team. So uh, I think that'll be a fun uh, adventure as well. 
Steph, I'm, I, I know with, with you running the day-to-day of an e-com company, anything, any other questions, any other thoughts as we wrap up here? I don't think so. I think we kind of touched on everything, and it, it was really interesting to hear all about the company and, and you know, how you started and how you grew. Um, and Jason and I both love the product, so it's, it's really cool talking to somebody who, you know, is the owner of a, a company for a product that we use. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Um, it in a way it reminds me like I still do this. I started doing it a couple of years ago, but after you, and maybe you saw this after you order on the site, you can sign up for a 15 minute call with me, um, and I do a few of those a week. But it's just you know random whoever decides to sign up and talk to me after they've after they've ordered, and it's just it's so cool That's to awesome. talk. To you. Yeah, it's so cool to talk to people and the, the stories they have and the reasons that they've purchased the product, how they've heard about us, um, their experience with the product. You know, at the time that I talk to them, it's, I look forward to it. It's a great couple hours of the week for me. That's, that, that, that's awesome. Yeah, the, the in customer insight that you get, you can't pay a market research firm to give you that value, as much valuable information as you're probably getting from this phone call. Yeah, yeah. I mean, surveys are one thing, but then, you know, to, to have a 15-minute conversation with somebody, sometimes longer, uh, you know, it's just it's just cool. And you, and you learn things about them, and, I've, you know, I've, they've told me things that I didn't know, products that existed that I checked out. So it's uh, it's just a really good way to connect. I wish I could do it more, but, you And know. it's just so personal. I mean, what, what a great way to connect. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's really I so yeah, I guess as far as advice goes, I don't know if people, uh, you know, it's just it's tough to take the time. It is, you know, it is a time commitment, but for me, I I think that it's worth it for the the hours that I spend doing that. Well, Tom, we appreciate you coming on. Um we wish you the best of luck. You have two new big fans of of Knox gear and um for anyone that's interested in the product, that's a runner. Uh, check it out, knoxgear.com. Um, Tom, thank you again for your time. Yeah, thank you guys. This is really, uh, really fun. Thanks so much. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Tom. Has left the conference.